Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 25 to 35. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. What must we do to perform the works of God? This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. Welcome uh, to Weston Park Baptist Church, our virtual service. Here we are well into the month of August, uh, summer falling behind us and looking towards the fall. So again, we trust that uh, uh, you are conscious of God's presence and that he speaks to us. And here we, in a few minutes today, have a chance to reflect on his word, uh, one of the stories of Jesus. And uh, we trust that it will indeed um, do something for us that will encourage us and help us in this moment. I want to read a quote that I've have read a few times here at Weston Park from Evelyn Underhill. She writes, we mostly spend our lives conjugating three verbs, to want, to have, and to do. Craving, clutching, and fussing on the material, political, social, emotional, intellectual, even on the religious plane, we are kept in perpetual unrest, forgetting that none of these verbs have any ultimate significance except as far as they are transcended by and included in the fundamental verb to be, and that being, not wanting, having, and doing, is the essence of a spiritual life. That's from a small little book of hers called A Spiritual Life, well worth uh, your reading if you have a chance to get it. But I like the line where she says, we are often caught up in a place of perpetual unrest. And I think that can resonate with us, that you know, there's a certain underlying anxiety that we often carry, um, and particularly through this whole COVID-19 piece, that there's just a perpetual unrest. It's like a wavy pond that's not quite getting to stillness. And we sense that, even at an unconscious level, this concern we carry. And so Underhill's reflecting on that. 
And so the issue then is what might help us as we go forward in this place of unrest? And um, even if you aren't there today, you are feeling totally tranquil, then that's wonderful. Then Jesus' word will still speak to us. So we begin by looking at John 6. I read verses 25, 26. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And so as we go through this piece, we're thinking of three uh, pairs. And the first one is scarcity or abundance. And when Jesus says those words, he's looking back and John, the writer, is looking back to the feeding of the 5,000, which happens in the beginning of John 6. So verses 1 to 14, you remember that story where the crowds are following Jesus, and the disciples say, hey, Lord, we better send them away because it's getting time for them to go get food, and the people are, are anxious and wondering what's going on. And Jesus says, well, you feed them. And they say, well, wow, we can't do that. How could we do that? And then Jesus goes through this exercise of having the disciples gather what they have, some loaves and a few fish, and then he divides these uh, elements and the whole crowd is fed. It was an amazing time, you can just imagine. So the crowd is getting that, it's very exciting, and they're wondering, well, who is this person who can do that? In fact, they're so excited that they want to come and make him king, we're told, in verse 15. They want to make him king. Surely this one can help us to defeat the Romans and overcome all the craziness of King Herod, and Christ will be the one who will lead us forward. So they want to make him king. Jesus recognizes this, and at the end of the meal slips away to a mountain, we're told, and he spends the night in prayer. He doesn't want anything to do with being their political king. So that's the context for Jesus' words. And so the question then, all of the feeding stories ask us to reflect on this. How do we see the world? How do you see your world? And we can posit two possibilities. One is scarcity, which means I don't have enough. I have to protect myself and my resources, draw the circle small around me, just focus on myself and my family, no one else, and I, I can't con be concerned for them because I don't have enough. And so it's an attitude of not having enough. And for John the writer, he's presenting the crowds as feeling they don't have enough, we need more food, we need more food. This is an ongoing story in humankind. Our resources are not enough. But for the gospel perspective, there's another side, which is the side of abundance. There is more than enough. And so the crowd feels they don't have enough. And Jesus says, well, we'll divide these fish and these bread, and there will be more than enough. Indeed, at the end, they gather a number of baskets full of the food that was left over. There is more than enough. How do we see the world? This is a real issue. Here we are in 2020. Is there enough? I just read a story on 
population growth and the anticipation is by the end of this century there will be close to 10 billion people on planet Earth. 10 billion. So how will all these people be fed and taken care of? And so there's the view of scarcity, there's not enough, fear, position of the immigrant coming, the homeless, peoples in crisis, there's not enough. Or the statement of the gospel that if we live in love, if we live with kindness, then there is indeed enough for everyone. If we don't hoard it all ourselves, there is indeed enough. So how do we receive them? So the question for you and for me is real. Do I live with a position of scarcity or is there abundance? Do I live in fear that in my retirement I won't have enough? What will happen? What happens if I live to 90? Am I gonna go into a home and, and they won't take care of me? People can have that. Or young families feeling, well, I, I don't have enough resources to buy a home, what will I do? We can very much as Christians still feel like we are living in scarcity. And what Jesus is suggesting to us and the gospel writer John that indeed in Christ, in God, who is our helper, the maker of heaven and earth, there is indeed enough for you and for me. And the invitation in, John's, in Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, is each day, one day at a time, we ask for our daily bread and God will provide for us. So scarcity or abundance, that's where this story begins. Secondly, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal, John 6, 27. The second pair is superficiality or depth. How do I live my life? Do I live my life where I'm totally always desiring to satiate my immediate needs? For the people, I want a full stomach. I want more food so that I will feel full. But we can live our lives where, where satiation is what it's all about. I want a comfortable, easy, pleasant life where my needs are met and they're met quickly. So all I need is met here. So this keeps us on the surface, the surface of our lives. We don't go deeper because all I want is my immediate needs met. We can be there very quickly. Or we can go deeper. We see it in the words where Jesus says, don't seek the food that perishes, but that indeed lasts forever. We see that in verses 25 and 26. Seek the food that lasts, not just the food that perishes overnight, like the man of old. So will we desire to go deeper? The writer of Ecclesiastes says, he has set eternity in your hearts. For that to be true, we need to be able to think and reflect and take time to be quiet. He has set eternity in your hearts. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what religious system you're involved in. Doesn't matter if you believe in God or not believe in God. The writer is saying, he has set eternity in your hearts. And if you take time to be quiet, that will start percolating up. There is more to life than just here and now. He has set eternity in your hearts. Regardless of faith system, regardless whatever name we call ourselves, he has set eternity in your hearts. 
to seek a position of depth and not to just live on the surface. So Jesus gets to that as we jump ahead to verse 35. And we have this famous statement from Christ. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. If you read the Gospel of John, you think about it a little bit, you'll come across seven different I am statements, and this is the first one. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I will meet your needs. When Jesus says that, it's in this context of them wanting more food and chasing after him, looking for him. Jesus says, no, no, don't just look for physical food. Go deeper. Don't just settle for living on the surface. Explore and find your true self. That's what Jesus is saying. So we think of a couple of examples just quickly. One is John 4, the woman at the well. Where, you remember, they are sitting, Jesus and this woman, they are speaking, very unusual for a rabbi to do that in the first century. And Jesus says, hey, you're drawing water. I can give you water that will last forever, so you will never thirst again. And the woman's response is, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty. Through the conversation, she's going deeper and deeper and deeper and saying, I want to drink from this well that you're speaking of. I want more. I want to go deeper. And so the woman at the well reflects this position of abundance and of wanting to go deeper. And if we contrast that to Luke 12, we have the rich farmer who has had a bumper year and is collecting so much of a harvest that he wants to build bigger barns to collect them all so that he can just eat, drink, and be merry. Here, as he says in Luke 12, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. Note, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Just live on the surface. Don't worry about deeper. You've got all what you knew. Just have a nice time, man. Just spend your time doing what you want. Don't worry about others. You can only do what you can do. Just enjoy yourself. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. That's what the rich farmer says. And gee, the response of the father is, hey man, you are foolish to think that way. Because tonight, your life ends, physical life. There's more, go deeper. And so in the first piece, we're reflecting on do we live in scarcity or abundance? Here we're asking ourselves, do I stay on the surface or do I want to hear God's voice and go deeper? To recognize, which means to cognize again that this life is not the end. Put on the wider lens. See what your life is really about. The Lord of heaven and earth the maker of heaven and earth, of all the stars, of all the galaxies. He has a calling for you. You are so important, more important than a galaxy of stars. Recognize your life. See what your life is about and seek to go deeper in our relationship with God. That's what Jesus is saying here. So secondly, superficiality or depth. And then a third piece, and we're going to talk about wasteland, or resurrection. Then Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. And note, 
For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Word life is zoe. Zoe is resurrection life. He comes to give us zoe, resurrection life. One life is not enough because God loves us so much. That's the state. But we can choose to live in wasteland or we can move towards zoe, which is resurrection. And so as we, we end, we can live on the surface, give ourselves to lesser things. What are those things? Could be anger, can be greed, can be lust, can be hedonism of whatever, it can be ingratitude, it can be focusing on my life, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, that's who I am, life's not fair, everybody's against me, and we stay on the surface. And Jesus is saying, hey man, your life's more important than just staying on the surface. Let's drill down a little bit and see who you really are. Let's explore your true self and not keep living in the false self. God is patient with us. He keeps saying that and the Holy Spirit keeps drawing. It can take a whole lifetime to hear that and to finally start giving ourselves to the one who calls us. So the statement in the Old Testament and the New Testament is always choose life. Choose life. John eleven twenty five 25 is the fifth of the I am statements where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. First of all, it was I am the bread of life. Now we have I am the resurrection and the life. I am Zoe. And if you link yourself with me, then you have Zoe. I am life. So if you're with me, then you have life. Your world may end, your life may end, your cells may stop growing, but that, that's, that's only one phase. We move on. I am the resurrection and the life. The world is not telling you that. Nobody's telling you that. The systems don't say that. Jesus says, I am the life. Choose life. Moses says to Israel, choose life, and you will live. It's the same for you and for me. So we are invited to become a companion of Jesus. Companion means to eat bread with Jesus, to walk with him, to be open to what he has for you and for me. Your story, my story, your children's story, your parents' story. Christ is there for you and for me. That's the invitation. So we have seen scarcity or abundance. We've seen superficiality or depth. We've seen wasteland or resurrection. Don't just live on the surface. Wasteland. Let's go deeper and know life. That's what Jesus says. I am the resurrection and the life. And so we end with that bit from Evelyn Underhill, just the ending. Being, not wanting, having, and doing is the essence of a spiritual life. Being, being. We spend so much time wanting, and grasping, and buying, and we forget that being is our true calling. So may we hear these words of Christ. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. And that is an invitation for you and for me to come and experience his goodness and experience his life. And I offer these words in Jesus' name, amen.